President Trump deploys the feds to quash violence in America's major cities as Democrats protest. Joe Biden says Trump is the first racist president ever and leftists chide parents for wanting to educate their kids during a pandemic. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, there, there are two kind of different narratives that are emerging in the United States. And I'm not talking about just ideological narratives emerging in the United States. I mean, two actual views of the facts. One happens to be factual. The other is the view that you are getting from the media. And I say this advisedly because I'm not one of those people who goes around saying the media are the enemy of the people. I don't like that sort of phraseology. But I have never seen the media gaslight quite as hard as they have for the past four months in this country. It's, it's just, it's beyond insane. Now, the media has all, always driven perverse narratives on the basis of no fact. And they do this on a, fair, on a fairly regular basis. But they still have some tenuous grasp of reality. It is rare to see the fact so blatantly staring you in the face and the media telling you that what you are seeing is not real. The media telling you, who are you going to believe? Us or your own eyes? Over the past several months, we have heard from the media that Andrew Cuomo is an incredible governor of New York as tens of thousands of people died. We have heard from the media that violent looting and rioting was not happening, that these were, quote unquote, mostly peaceful protests, and that the protesters and the rioters and looters were completely separate. But if you say rioting and looting are bad, you're actually attacking the protesters. We have heard the media claim that things are fantastic in Seattle's Chop Chaz. We heard that it was paradisical. It was wonderful out there. How dare you try to shut down this street fair? We have heard that enormous protests of literally millions of people in the streets in the middle of a pandemic was not a public health threat directly after hearing that anti-lockdown protests were a public health threat. I mean, I've truly never seen anything like it. The media over the past several months, and, and again, they've botched stories before. They've sort of done this on an individual level. They did it with Kavanaugh, for example. They did it with the Covington Catholic kids. But the extraordinary extent to which nearly every story that is being reported right now is not in any way reflective of the underlying facts. It's pure, it's pure insanity. The most obvious example of this is what is happening in Portland right now. So in Portland, things are really bad. They are now in day 56 of rolling rioting. Okay, and rioting is what is happening in Portland. Okay, it is not a peaceful place. It is not a wonderful place. You can look at the footage. Can you look at the Portland unrest footage? It's clip five. And you can see what exactly is going on in Portland. People are firing fireworks. Tear gas has been deployed. Protesters are, are breaking down barriers. They're approaching the cops wearing bicycle helmets and, and tear gas masks. And they're using umbrellas and, and wood barriers to shield themselves from, from the cops so that people can't see them. They're vandalizing the federal courthouse. Okay, does this look like a peaceful protest to you? This looks like a riot. Because that's what it is. It is a riot. And just because you have some moron in the back of the crowd holding up a group of balloons does not mean that this is happy-dappy-doo time. And if you could see the footage, what you would see is graffiti all over the place. You can see that, that the federal building has been completely defaced. And people have been injured in Portland as well. Okay, overnight, Portland rioters set fire to the courthouse as well. That was another thing that they did. There's footage of them doing so, the Portland rioters. The police yesterday... Right, the police were run by Mayor Ted Wheeler over there. The police, there's footage of them warning the crowd that they're going to have to use tear gas if they don't disperse. And this is being portrayed as like a big nothing. This is all nuts, okay? This is purely, purely nuts. It's so bad that you end up with these two-minute hate struggle sessions. So I, I will say this is part of this I enjoy, is the politicians who are allowing this stuff to go on 
then being torn up by the protesters. I really am enjoying this. So this happened in Seattle where Mayor Jenny Durkin basically allowed chop chats to go on for weeks at a time and people were getting shot there. And she's like, it's no big deal. It's a street fair, guys. And then they went to her house and then she's like, shut this thing down right now. It was pretty great when the mayor of Minneapolis, who had allowed half his city to be burned down, went and, and did penance in front of protesters and was screamed at for not being warm enough toward defunding the police. And so they had like a full-on struggle session, like they were going to hang a sign around his neck and the whole thing over in the center of Minneapolis. So that was fun. Well, yesterday, Mayor Ted Wheeler decided that he was up for his two minutes hate on Oregon public broadcasting. So the mayor shows up in downtown Portland with the pri- protesters and the rioters, and he proceeds to be called a fascist, which is just spectacular stuff. It truly is. It is great stuff. More of this, please. It turns out two-minute hate is eminently watchable. Here's Mayor Ted Wheeler being ripped up and down by the protesters he is allowing to terrify and terrorize his city. Ted Wheeler! Ted Wheeler, hey! Ted Wheeler! Ted Wheeler! Ted Wheeler! They're calling Ted Wheeler a fascist. I'm pretty sure that shutting down the entire city of Portland because you just feel like burning crap because you're a terrible person. That's a little more fascist than Ted Wheeler allowing you to do it. Although he is actually, I mean, he's an enabler here, right? He's the Vichy France here. I mean, this is, it's pretty incredible. But Ted Wheeler's the bad guy. Remember, the revolution always eats its own first. That's the way this works. Revolutions rarely take on the strongest folks. Instead, they really like taking on the weakest. And Ted Wheeler is the weakest. The mayor of Minneapolis was the weakest. Jenny Durkin was the weakest. Okay, so all this stuff is going on, right? They're burning down portions of Portland and they are screaming at the mayor that he's a fascist while he forces the police to stand there and do nothing. And then we're being told by the media that literally nothing is happening. Everything is good there. This is all peaceful and wonderful. Nothing bad is happening. A congressperson from Portland, his name is Ed Blumenauer. He actually testified in the well of the house yesterday. This bizarre world looking dude. This guy, Earl Blumenauer, who looks like, as one of my producers said yesterday, a refugee from a Pee Wee Herman outtake. He's standing there with his, with his large purple polka dotted bow tie and a lapel pin of a green bicycle. I kid you not. Like some people wear lapel pins of the American flag because they pledge allegiance to the American flag. Earl Blumenauer pledges allegiance to a bicycle. He looks like Bill Nye the science guy on a bad acid trip. Anyway, Earl Blumenauer announced, <laughs> announced yesterday, there is no chaos in Portland. Poof. It's gone. It never really happened. This is gaslighting, okay? We've seen the footage. I just showed you the footage. Here's a, everything's fine, guys. Why are you making a big deal out of this? Just because they're trying to burn down the courthouse. Whatever. That's just, Portland's a kooky place, man. All we do there is we play hippie guitar and we have vinyl records and we burn things. I mean, come on, it's Portland. Portland, Oregon is not out of control. To be sure, there are some people who have strong feelings and there are some who have done things that are inappropriate and unlawful. But that is the challenge of our local officials and our state officials to manage it. Not having somebody unwelcome, uninvited, and unprepared coming in to take this difficult situation and make it worse. It's, it's, it's all fake, guys. And you know how it's fake? You know it's fake because Trump's bad. Right? This is the, the basic narrative being driven by the Democrats and by the left. Don't believe your lying eyes. Believe us. And the reason that you should believe us is because Trump is bad. Seriously, that's the entire case. You shouldn't believe the evidence in front of you. You shouldn't believe the footage. You shouldn't believe the pure, obvious facts that are right in front of your eyes because 
Many of the people showing you those facts don't think Trump is the worst person in the world. And we do think Trump is the worst person in the world. So if you believe Trump is the worst person in the world, you will believe us when we say that the protesters and looters and rioters in Portland are entirely peaceful. And the media mimic this crap. They mimic it up and down. It's truly amazing. It's truly amazing. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that you don't really want to be going to an auto parts store right now. In fact, you don't really want to go to an auto parts store ever because the fact is that you wait in line, then finally you get up to the front and they're asking you very specific questions about your car that you may not know off the top of your head. And then they sell you a generic part that may not be right for your car or they have to wait it and they have to order it and then wait for it to come in from the, from the manufacturer. Why don't you just go and do it direct with rockauto.com? Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Like, for example, let's say that you were one of the people who happened to need a Delphi FG 1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey. Well, at the store, it's going to cost you like 354 bucks. At Rock Auto, that's 217 bucks. RockAuto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com right now. Shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. You don't want to spend too much money. Instead, why not save money and go to a great business? RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. That's RockAuto.com. Go check them out right now. And write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. So the media are just repeating this sort of propaganda. Rolling Stone, which of course is a far left magazine masquerading. as a, Remember when Rolling Stone used to do music? Wasn't that funny? Yeah, they don't do that anymore. Well, now Tim Dickinson has a piece called from the administration that brought you kids in cages, it's tear-gassed moms. That's what they are. They're all just mothers. They're just mothers. They're kind, wonderful mothers. And we know they're mothers because they say so. And here's how Rolling Stone reports what's happening in Portland. You ready? As nightly protests have dominated downtown Portland for nearly two months, both local officials and the Trump administration have attempted to cast the largely peaceful demonstrators as ruffians with suspect political values hell-bent on destruction. Well, uh, first of all, this phrase largely peaceful, mostly peaceful. As I've said before, this is just the most glorious phrase ever. It's just fantastic because most of human history, like by days counted, most of human history has been peaceful. Sure, there have been, you know, these periods where hundreds of millions of people die, but aside from that, it's mostly peaceful. Like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, their marriage, it seems mostly peaceful. Like for most hours of the day, she wasn't crapping in his bed and he wasn't tossing bottles at her. I mean, there were the occasions where she was crapping in his bed and he was tossing bottles at her. But, you know, like as a percentage of actual time, it wasn't like 75% of the time. It was like 10% of the time. It was a mostly successful, mostly peaceful marriage. Like mostly peaceful protesters. Again, this is language that would never, ever, ever be used if they disagreed with the message of the protesters. When it was the Tea Party, they claimed that the Tea Party were a bunch of racist terrorists. They could not come up with any evidence of racism at a Tea Party protest or violence at a Tea Party protest. The Tea Partiers were picking up their own garbage and throwing it in the garbage can. And they were like, these guys are out of control. They're out of control. Example today, Dave Weigel of the Washington Post. So Weigel, he, he put out a tweet saying, it was like 10 minutes ago that open carry protesters without masks rallied at state capitals and mostly Democratic governors just let them do it until they went away. He said this in response to somebody saying, why the hell are Democratic politicians allowing these riots to go on? Yes, because open carry protesters without masks are not the same as people trying to burn down the courthouse. I mean, can anyone provide evidence of the open carry protesters trying to occupy entire swaths of cities and bar the police and vandalizing entire downtown areas? Because I'm old enough to remember when we shut down the entire damned county of Los Angeles for a week on end at 6 p.m. so rioters and looters could run roughshod through Melrose Boulevard. 
I'm old enough to remember that because I am more than four weeks old. My baby is old enough to remember it. And she was born at the beginning of March. Hey, this is it. If you feel like you're going crazy right now, you're not. The media have gone crazy. You are the only sane one. You are the only sane one. This is nuts. <laughs> okay. But it's not relegated only to the coverage of Portland. Bill de Blasio is out there claiming that the spiking murder rates are not his fault in his city. Right? It's, it's all just, everything's fine, guys. He painted something on the street, guys. He painted Black Lives Matter in giant yellow letters on the street. Problem solved. What's to blame for the spiking murder rates? It's not Bill de Blasio crapping all over the police each and every day. It's not Bill de Blasio defunding entire new classes of cadets, which is what happened in New York City. It is not Bill de Blasio getting rid of the plainclothes unit. It's not Bill de Blasio basically encouraging cops to leave the force. Bill de Blasio says COVID is is to blame for the spiking murder rates. It's COVID, which is weird because the murder rates were not spiking at the beginning of COVID, like at all. The murder rates started to spike as soon as he started giving leeway to the rioters and the looters and cutting the cops. That's when the murder rates started to spike. Here is giant weirdo groundhog murderer Frankenstein's monster Bill de Blasio talking about how all this murder stuff, you know, you're worried about getting rid of the cops. That's in your imagination. It's COVID that is the problem. It's COVID that's the problem. We've had a very tough few months, no doubt, and it is directly related to the coronavirus, the dislocation it's caused in our society, the fact that our court system is not functioning yet. So many factors that have been absolutely aberrant for just the last four or five months. But we will beat it back because we've done that for a quarter century in this city. And Joe, the key point is we will do it. We, the people of New York City, we need the people's involvement to make the city safer, the NYPD. And if we ever need any assistance, that's what localities do when they feel they need assistance. Then wait for that request from a locality that knows what's right for its people. Okay, so again, you are just you're hearing from people who are attempting to lie to you and gaslight you. Okay, so violence has increased in in cities around the United States. And so President Trump finally said enough is enough. And he deployed the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, to protect federal property. Okay, there is statutory authority for the president to deploy force to Portland to protect federal property. Furthermore, there are federal laws on the books. Federal agents exist in every major city in the United States. They're there largely to enforce laws that have been passed and that are on the books about gang violence. Right? Not every crime that happens is, in fact, a federal crime. Right? If somebody murders somebody in a city, that's not a federal crime. It's a state crime. The feds don't really have jurisdiction there. Where the feds do have jurisdiction is there are a lot of laws on the books that talk about gang activity specifically. The feds very often help local law enforcement investigating gang activity that involves, for example, criminal conspiracy violations. Right? That, that is where the feds come in. And there are federal investigators on the ground. In fact, you've seen them in virtually every TV show. Every TV show, there's some sort of murder and suddenly the feds are there. Right? The feds have been in cities for a very long time. But apparently President Trump staffing up in these areas to try and lower the murder rate in these areas where the mayors refuse to actually do anything to protect their own citizenry, it's very, very, very bad. We're going to get to President Trump finally implementing some level of law and order and Democrats taking the other side, which in a normal time would be just political death for them. But they are counting on American hatred of Trump so strongly. They are counting on the media hatred of Trump so strongly that they are hoping that you will ignore the evidence of major cities collapsing right in front of your eyes and be angry at Trump for trying to fix the problem. We're going to get to that in just one second. First, Let's talk about the fact that if you've got big credit card bills and they are racking up month on month, that's not a great way to live. You got to find a responsible way to bring those bills down and get yourself in financial control again. This is why you might want to consider a fixed rate credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. You could save thousands of dollars in interest. Rates started 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. They've got lower than average credit card interest rates of over 19% APR. 
can get a loan from 5,000 bucks to 100,000 bucks. There are absolutely no fees. The application is 100% online. You can even get your money in your bank account as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. That's exactly what they deliver. One customer said this, I heard about Lightstream while listening to one of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> it prompted me to do some more research. After shopping around for a personal loan that would help me get a lower interest rate, there was no one easier to work with. Plus, Lightstream had the best rate by far. Better yet, no fees. I had my cash within two business days. Overall, amazing experience. Highly recommended. If you got credit card debt and it's racking up at that 19% APR, then you are really behind the eight ball. Get out from behind the eight ball right now. My listeners can apply today for a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get the discount, go to lightstream.com slash Shapiro. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Shapiro. Subject to credit approval. Rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply. Offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Shapiro for more information and get your credit card debt under control. Okay, so President Trump is finally stepping in. He announced yesterday that he'd be sending the feds to Chicago to restore public safety. Now, again, he is using laws that already exist. He is not passing new laws. He is not moving above and beyond the law. The laws he's been using in Portland are about protecting federal property. Under federal law, the DHS is emboldened, empowered to protect federal property. And yes, they can arrest people who are not directly next to the federal property. So if they suspect that there was someone trying to burn down the courthouse and four blocks away is the person, they're allowed to go arrest that person. Okay, then there are federal laws on the books with regard to, for example, cracking down on gang activity. He's been on the books for a very, very long time. Trump said, listen, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of watching our major cities burn. I'm tired of watching 15 people shot every other day in Chicago. I'm sending the feds. Today, I am announcing that the Department of Justice will immediately surge federal law enforcement to the city of Chicago. The FBI, ATF, DEA, U.S. Marshal Service and Homeland Security will together be sending hundreds of skilled law enforcement officers to Chicago to help drive down violent crime. And murderers and violent criminals are breaking a wide range of federal laws. We have that. It's as wide as it can be. We will find them, arrest them, and prosecute them. They will be in jail for many years to come. That is a good thing. If you're a law-abiding citizen of these cities, I do not know why you would be upset about this. I really don't. If you were wildly exceeding federal authority, that'd be one thing. He is not. William Barr made this clear, the attorney general. He said, what we're talking about are normal operations to fight crime, right? These have long been under federal purview to pretend that they are not. If you don't like it, change the law. But the executive branch does have the power to enforce the law. We started using our strong federal laws uh, that permit us to target those who use guns to kill others and those that are involved in gang activity. Our approach was to set up anti-violent crime task forces in the cities to enforce federal law. It's important to stress that the operations we're talking about are the standard anti-crime fighting activities we have been carrying out around the country for decades. And he says we'll be adding federal agents to already existing task force. He says these are street agents and investigators who will be working to solve murders and take down violent gangs. He says this is different than the operations and tactical teams we use to defend against riots and mob violence. So he's pointing out these are two different laws that are being invoked. He says we will continue to confront mob violence, but the operations we're talking about today are very different. They are classic crime fighting. So the administration has named this Operation Legend. Not like, let's just be a legend and do it, man. But it's, it's named after an actual four-year-old boy whose name is Legend Talaferro, who was shot and killed while he slept in Kansas City shortly before July 4th weekend. 
Legend's family came to the actual unveiling of this policy. They were joined by the family of Jacques Vigil, a 55-year-old grandmother and daycare worker from Albuquerque who was murdered in her driveway during an attempted carjacking. He pointed out that they were also recognizing the tragic murder of a 14-year-old named Bernardo Jones Jr. in Chicago who was playing basketball in a park when he was senselessly killed by gunshots that wounded four and killed three others. He says, to carry out Operation Legend, federal law enforcement agencies will be committing additional resources to these cities, including resources from the FBI, the DEA, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, U.S. Marshals, and the Department of Homeland Security. He says, today we've sent over 200 federal agents to Kansas City. They unveiled this thing early, earlier this month. They're just ratcheting it up now. We are directing a comparable amount to augment Chicago's existing violent crime initiatives. We are providing more than 35 agents to Albuquerque. They're also providing financial assistance to state and local law enforcement in these particular areas, and they've made $3.5 million in federal funding available to the city of Chicago to compensate local law enforcement for overtime equipment and other expenses. Okay, so this is not a violation of law, nor is it really an extension of anything that the federal government has not done before. The media, however, are treating this as absolute, this is fascism. Trump fascism was trending yesterday on Twitter. Okay, so it's not fascism when you take over an entire American city and threaten to burn everything to the ground and then scream at your mayor when he comes to talk to you about stopping it. That's not fascism. Fascism is when the federal government uses existing authority to shut down rioting, looting, and murder in its cities, apparently. And the media are just wonderful at this. So the media literally asked Trump if the reason he's doing this is to distract from COVID. As though what you're seeing on the streets is not happening. Poof, what's going on? Right, the only reason Trump would do this is to distract from COVID. By the way, which would be the most idiotic strategy ever. Is anyone distracted from COVID? Who do you know who's distracted from COVID right now? Here is President Trump answering this question. When you look at Chicago and you look at the job, uh, Mayor Lightfoot sent me a letter yesterday. And I think in their own way, they want us to go in. There'll be a time when they're going to want us to go in full blast. But right now, we're sending extra people to help. We're arresting a lot of people that have been very bad. As far as the coronavirus, as you say, uh, I think we've done some amazing things. And I think you'll probably see that if you compare our statistics to other countries. The question itself is is idiotic. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to the left's response to President Trump sending in the feds to help local law enforcement to enforce federal law already on the books. Suffice it to say, they're perfectly willing to allow people to run roughshod through their cities so long as it means owning the cons. Owning the cons by burning down your own cities is definitely a take, but that's what we're seeing right now. First, I want to talk to you about your internet freedom. So the fact is there are a lot of people after your data. Big tech, they love your data. They love to use that data. They love to make money off that data. Also, there are hackers out there, and they want your data so they can literally steal things from you. Why would you leave your data out there? Instead, try ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN safely anonymizes and masks your data by using a secure VPN server. When you use ExpressVPN, tech companies can't see your IP address at all. Plus, ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and internet bad guys. Now, I'm always worried about my internet security, so I won't go online without activating my ExpressVPN. It doesn't slow down your internet connection. It is very easy to install. It's very easy to make it run. It just runs in the background. You never think about it. It's just protecting you each and every day. So why give tech companies or hackers a free license to grab your data? It's time to take back your privacy at expressvpn.com slash Ben. By visiting my special link, you get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Who doesn't like to save money, right? Again, that's expressvpn.com slash Ben. Expressvpn.com slash Ben to protect your data today. No reason to leave that data out there unprotected. That'd be a foolish move. Instead, protect yourself with expressvpn.com slash Ben. Expressvpn.com slash Ben. Okay, so the, the reaction to this is exactly what you would think it is. It is mayors who are Democrats basically saying, I would rather that my city continue to be a violent hellhole 
than allow the feds to actually do what they are empowered to do under federal law. So Bill de Blasio, giant weirdo, Frankenstein's monster, six foot nine groundhog murderer, the son of Sam of groundhogs. Bill de Blasio, he actually said, I would sue to stop Trump from intervening in our violent crime problem. We must, we must allow the violent crime to continue. This president blusters and bluffs and says he's going to do things and they never materialize on a regular basis. So first, we should not overrate his statements. They are so often not true. Uh, Second, if he tried to do it, it would only create uh, more problems. It would backfire. It wouldn't make us safer. And we would immediately take action in court to stop it. Uh, From my point of view, this would be yet another example of illegal and unconstitutional actions by the president. And we have often had to confront him in court, and we usually win. Okay, so he is going to sue Trump to stop him from actually implementing the law. Meanwhile, Lori Lightfoot, who's an awful, awful mayor of Chicago, and who has basically been allowing shootings to take place in her city willy-nilly, she said yesterday the real reason that Trump is, is doing this is because he's targeting women, which is a hell of a take. He's sending federal troops, and they're not really troops, he's sending federal law enforcement to Portland, which is run by a white man. Okay, he's talking about sending federal law enforcement to places like Kansas City. I'm not aware that the mayor of Kansas City is a woman. Maybe, maybe it is, but I'm pretty sure that that is not that that is not the reason why the president of the United States is sending somebody. The mayor of of, of Kansas City is a man named Quentin Lucas, a black man. Okay, so she says this is really about Trump targeting women. So apparently, the fact that she's a garbage mayor and her city is turning into a hellhole, Trump is only sending the feds because he doesn't like women or some such nonsense. This is so tiresome. It's so tiresome. What do you think people in Chicago who are getting shot at every weekend have to say about their idiot mayor who thinks the reason the feds are coming in is because Trump is mean to ladies? The president has been on a campaign now for some time against Democratic mayors across the country, whether it's me, whether it's Keisha Lance Bottoms in Atlanta, whether it's Muriel Bowser in Washington, D.C., whether it's Jenny Durkin in Seattle. Do you see a common theme here? The president is trying to divert attention from his failed leadership on COVID-19. Okay, um, really? That, that's what's going on here? And again, I, I love that she specifically picks out only the cities where there's female leadership. She ignores the fact that Trump hates Bill de Blasio. She ignores the fact that Trump really doesn't like Ted Wheeler. Like there, there are a lot of people Trump doesn't like who ain't the ladies. But this is what, what sort of what a, what a cheap trick. Meanwhile, Jay Johnson, the former Homeland Security Secretary, is provocative. It's provocative to send federal agents into cities to, you know, protect federal property. Provocative. Yeah, we should do exactly what what Jay Johnson did when he was the when he was the Department of Homeland Security head. We should let Ferguson burn to the ground. Good, good idea, Jay. A surge like this would probably be unnecessarily provocative and actually make matters worse. The militaristic presence on the streets of the United States in our cities during moments of high tension can actually make matters worse and be provocative. There is legislation working its way through to limit the sale of Defense Department equipment to civilian law enforcement in our cities because it is provocative. You see those images of people who used to work for me in camouflage who look like the military, uh, and it's provocative. He keeps saying provocative, provocative. The people who are apparently being provoked were trying to burn down the courthouse five seconds ago. I feel like they were already provoked. It's like the dumbass argument that you constantly hear from folks on the international left where, you know, like the Israelis responding to Hamas bombing pizzerias. It's it's provocative. How dare they respond? I'm pretty sure these folks were already provoked. They're in the streets trying to burn down the damn courthouse. You know, Michael Chertoff, who is the head of Homeland Security under, under President Bush, he said, well, maybe they're exceeding their authority. 
So it's possible they're exceeding their authority. Well, I mean, maybe is not the same as they are. Right? Why don't you explain how they're exceeding their authority? You can protect federal property, but that doesn't mean it's an unlimited license to roam around the streets and pick up people based on some suspicion that maybe they're involved or going to be involved in something. Roving around on the street and stopping people and uh, taking them down strike me as going beyond that authority. And that's wholly apart from the Fourth Amendment issue. Because okay. whatever the statutory authority no. is, we still have a constitution. Okay, yes, and, and the Fourth Amendment has not been violated here. You are allowed to arrest people for committing felonies in public places without a warrant. That is a, that is a Supreme Court-established doctrine. That is a fact. And by the way, here is what the law says, word for word, 40 U.S. Code, Section 1315, Law Enforcement Authority of Secretary of Homeland Security for Protection of Public Property. The Secretary may designate employees of the Department, Department of Homeland Security, including employees transferred to the Department of the Office of the Federal Protective Services of the General Services Administration pursuant to the Homeland Security Act of 2002 as officers and agents for duty in connection with the protection of property owned or occupied by the federal government and persons on the property, including... Duty in areas outside the property to the extent necessary to protect the property and persons on the property. While engaged in the performance of official duties, an officer or agent designated under this subsection may enforce federal laws and regulations for the protection of persons and property, carry firearms, make arrests without a warrant for any offense against the United States committed in the presence of an officer or agent or for any felony cognizable under the laws of the United States if the officer or agent has reasonable grounds to believe that the person to be arrested has committed or is committing a felony. Okay, I'm reading you the black letter law. That is the actual law. So don't give me that the agents in Portland are violating the law. I just read you the law. The law says they are doing exactly what they are supposed to be doing. So this ain't about tyranny. It's not about fascism. It's about don't believe your own eyes. Don't believe that the cities are burning and that President Trump is doing something about it because that might be a narrative in favor of President Trump. This is how you end up with idiotic articles like this one from the New York Times. Republicans pounce, pounce, seize, pounce. This is what they're constantly doing over at the New York Times. When Democrats do something dumb, the story is never Democrats do something dumb. The story is always the Republican response to the Democrats doing something dumb. So the Democrats have decided to let their cities burn and turn into chaotic hellholes. And the response of the media is, look at these evil right-wing media folks talking about it. Headline from the New York Times, right-wing media stars amplify Trump's law and order campaign message. First of all, how, in, in what way is that news? And that, that, that headline is, right-wingers are right-wing. I'm confused. How's that news? Subheadline: Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, and other conservative pundits have seized on the Portland protests as a pro-Trump rallying cry. So much pouncing. So much seizing. Unbelievable. Right-wing outlets and conservative media stars have seized on the weeks-long protests in Portland as a rallying cry for law and order, instructing their followers to fear for their safety and blaming Democratic leaders for failing to restore peace. Oh, man, the gaslighting is so strong. Instructing their followers to fear for their safety? Let me tell you something. I don't think you have to tell people to fear for their safety. I think people fear for their safety when they feel unsafe. You know what made me feel unsafe in the city of Los Angeles? When they shut down the entire damned county for a week to let marauders break into the footlocker down the street. That made me feel a little unsafe. I didn't need Rush to tell me to feel unsafe, you idiots. It's, it's just, it's incredible. The gaslighting is beyond the pale, beyond the pale. Speaking of which, you want to talk about media bias? Okay, best example of media bias today. Remember that time? When the New York Times ousted the editor of the op-ed page because they ran an editorial from Tom Cotton, an op-ed by Tom Cotton. They ran a piece of full-blown Chinese propaganda today in the New York Times by a guy who works for the Chinese government. 
The title of the piece was My Relatives in Wuhan Survived. My uncle in New York did not. Because China is better than New York. Okay, it's just a full piece of full-blown propaganda. Where are the protests over at the New York Times op-ed page? Where are they? The new, the new editor of the New York Times op-ed page? Why isn't that person being called to account for printing Chinese propaganda? This guy's a propagandist on behalf of a regime that is currently shipping Uyghurs into concentration camps to be sterilized. And that's okay. That's fine, according to members of the New York Times woke staff. Okay, in just a second, we're going to move on to Joe Biden and COVID because Joe Biden, I got to say, this, this presidential battle, it's not really a battle of wits. I would say a lot of unarmed people in this, in this battle of wits. We're going to get to this in just one second. First, summer is a time to get things done. Why else would the days be longer? I get it. Who wants to be taking classes this time of year? You, you, because you're tenacious. You want to make your resume better. You want to learn more things. It's why you listen to informative podcasts like this one. Be your best, most tenacious self this summer. Get to work earning your degree at Ashford University. At Ashford University, your classroom goes with you. The classes are built for summer fun. You can learn from your patio, the beach, wherever you are. You're not going to pay a fortune to do it. You know, Harvard right now is charging like $51,000 for streaming classes. Why in the world would you do that? Ashford University's expert faculty teaches real-world skills, drawing on their years of real-world experience. You can, pursue, you can pursue your bachelor's and master's degree in one of Ashford's 60-plus programs like business administration, healthcare administration, and psychology. Best of all, Ashford's programs allow you to learn on a convenient and flexible schedule you can take online in the sun. With 24-7 access to your classroom, daily support, financial aid available, Ashford will give you the tools you need to help you achieve your goals. Be your best, most tenacious self. Make your resume better this summer. Head on over to Ashford University today. There's no fee to apply or standardized testing required to enroll. Head on over to ashford.edu slash Ben. That is ashford.edu slash Ben. Ashford.edu slash Ben. Not all programs available in all states. Okay, in just a second, we're gonna get to Joe Biden who continues his delusional campaign. Doesn't mean he ain't gonna win, but uh, dude is not with us and has not been with us for some time. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, my new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. It is on sale now. It is a huge bestseller already, thanks to people like you. If you haven't bought it yet, you should go buy it right now. The book covers two different visions of America. We are watching them play out in real time. One vision says that America is an amazing place rooted in a true philosophy of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, rooted in a culture of entrepreneurship and tolerance, rooted in a history that attempted to fulfill the promises of the Declaration and increasingly has done so. The other side says America sucks. And this would be Robin DiAngelo's White Fragility, the New York Times 1619 Project, the rioters and looters in the streets, the media who defend them, Disintegrationists are using weapons like cancel culture to go after you and anybody who agrees with you. My book discusses all of this and is really the antidote to it. How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. It details how this disintegrationist worldview has gained so much cultural ground so quickly. It offers what I think is a, a really important view of the culture at this point in our history. And more importantly, it offers you the ammo to rebut the dumb arguments that are being made on behalf of tearing down the country. You can pick it up on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble right now. Also, tomorrow, Friday, we'll be holding one of our vaunted Daily Wire backstages, a socially distanced backstage. Come join me and several other humans at 4 p.m. Pacific to hear us lament the collapse of the Republic. Also, go get a Reader's Pass over at dailywire.com. Reader's Pass is great. Get all sorts of good stuff. So join us. Become part of the crew. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty. So meanwhile, the presidential campaign continues apace. And let us just say that it feels as though there is some insufficiency in representing these particular positions. So you have some pretty rich ideological strains in American public life being represented by the political right right now. 
a strain of law and order, a strain that says that America was founded in liberty, defending American history, defending American culture. And the president, when he gives speeches off teleprompter, does a good job of explicating that, right? His Mount Rushmore speech I thought was terrific, and I said so. The president also has a bad habit of going off the cuff about weird stuff that allows the media to focus in on it. So today, the president did another interview where he decided to do like a five-minute riff on how tough the cognitive test he took was, that he aced. And so he just kept saying over and over the five words that he was supposed to memorize. It was, it was not a great clip, not, not an ideal clip. So they say, could you repeat that? So I said, yeah. So it's person, woman, man, camera, TV. 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes later, they say, remember the first question? Not the first, but the 10th question. Give us that again. Can you do that again? And you go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. If you get it in order, you get extra points. They said nobody gets it in order. It's actually not that easy. But for me, it was easy. Meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to be senile. So as I've said before, any presidential debate here will be Chewbacca versus the Swedish chef from the Muppets. That's that's what this will sound like. It'll be just phenomenal. On the one side, you have Captain, I passed a cognitive test that pretty much everybody who's not senile needs to pass. And on the other side, you have Joe. I once got in a fight with a guy named Corn Pop Biden. Yesterday, Joe Biden suggested that Trump was the first racist president ever. Which, okay, first of all, Trump isn't a racist. Second of all, if Joe Biden thinks that Trump, even if you thought Trump was a racist, if you think he was the first racist president ever, that's a hell of a, that's a, that's a hot take coming out there, 100 miles per hour from Joe Biden. Here's Joe Biden coming out hot. As his as his forehead begins to collapse into his into his nasal cavity, here is here's Joe Biden. No sitting president has ever done this. Never, never, never. No Republican president has done this. No Democratic president. We've had racists, and they've existed. And they've tried to get elected president. He's the first one that has. Is he though? Are we just? I've got some questions. We had like uh, of the. I mean, if we're going to talk about you know people who thought that black folks were inferior. Every president in the early republic was, in fact, a slaveholder with the exception of John Adams and John Quincy Adams, I believe. Every single one up to the end of the Andrew Jackson tenure was a slaveholder. So that seems like maybe, maybe not. Maybe Trump's not the first race. First of all, I I don't understand how Joe Biden could possibly miss the fact that Woodrow Wilson was a brutal racist, considering that when Woodrow Wilson was a child, he massaged Joe Biden's leg hair. That's how old Joe Biden is. Like th- this is just pure crazy from Joe Biden, but Joe Biden is pure crazy at this point. So we got a senile old man hiding in his basement, and then we got President Trump, the most volatile candidate in the history of the American Republic. Things are going great here, guys. Things are things are just excellent on every level. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There are underlying principles at stake here, and that's what's easy to miss because presidential politics is so much a game of personality and so little about the actual policies represented by the candidates. I talk about this in How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps a little bit. I point out, that the various views of President Trump are based on a misunderstanding of how people see Trump. On the right, the way that most conservatives see Trump is not as the godsend, beautiful man, incredible at everything. People on the right don't see Trump the way Trump sees Trump. People on the right largely, and I think almost entirely, see Trump as a, as a vessel, a very, very flawed vessel for stopping the onrushing power of the, of the radical left. They see Trump as a bulwark. That's what they see Trump as. They see him as a as a, a person holding his finger in the dike 
to prevent what is inevitably going to come if Joe Biden is elected president. And they're not wrong to see it this way. Bernie Sanders came out yesterday. He said that Biden will be the most progressive president since FDR. He's bought into our entire agenda. Right? This is what Trump is trying to tell people. Now, the problem is that because Trump is not a, a laser-focused campaigner, because he sort of grabs everything in the, in the pantry and just throws it at people, because the president is the, the guy you wouldn't want to fight in high school. He wasn't, exactly a, uh, he, he wasn't exactly a methodical fighter, but he was a guy who might just randomly turn around and pick up a desk and hurl it at you. But because he's like that, he's not methodical enough to make the case that Joe Biden is basically a, a weak, a weak need character who's going to get shoved around by Bernie Sanders, which is the reality. But Bernie knows this, the score here. Here's Bernie explaining that basically Biden is going to be Bernie with a Biden mask on. The reason I say that I think that Biden has a chance to be the most progressive president since FDR is that is exactly what Joe Biden said to me. And I think he has said that publicly. He understands the severity of this moment. We have tens of millions of people who have lost their jobs, lost their health care, people who are hungry today. We have an educational system which is lacking for low-income and working-class kids. Climate change is out there. Joe understands this is an existential threat to the planet. Now, that's the case that Trump is going to have to make, is that Bernie is actually the spokesperson for the Joe Biden campaign. That's going to be easier once Biden picks a VP. Right now, Biden has been able to skate on the fact that people largely perceive him as non-threatening. But the fact is there are some larger principles at stake in this election. I think people feel that inevitably. It's just that there are two very cracked glasses who are going up against each other right now on all of this. Now, there's an easy way for Republicans to blow this thing before it even begins. And that is the aid that has been put out there, this kind of fire hose that's been turned on the American public since we've all been forced into lockdown over and over and over. That fire hose of aid, which in many ways was good, right? It was necessary. It was necessary because as I said, that is not a Keynesian stimulus program. When somebody drives a, an F-150 truck through the front wall of your home, they owe you a reparation for that, right? They owe you damages for that. The federal and state governments have basically destroyed every business in the United States, or at least a huge percentage of businesses in the United States. The very least they can do is at least fill in the gap for the moment. Well, the crisis has not abated. We are still seeing most businesses shut down across the United States, and the businesses that can run are being forced to run at half capacity. So the idea of extending aid beyond August 1 makes a lot of sense. But Republicans are busy fighting over this thing, which makes no sense to me. It is political malpractice. According to the Washington Post, Senate Republicans struggled to finalize a $1 trillion coronavirus relief bill on Wednesday, confronting internal divisions and continued White House demands for a payroll tax cut most lawmakers oppose. Now, I don't know why you would oppose the payroll tax cut. I really don't. I, I, the, apparently, there are a lot of Republicans who are concerned that people, that, that the Democrats are going to say they're raiding Social Security or something. Okay, that, that, that's insanity. No one cares about that right now. Seriously, no one cares about that right now. People want to make sure they have the money to pay the bills for the next few weeks at the very, very least. And nobody, just pass a bill, include the payroll tax cut. Most Americans want the money back in their pocket. By the way, I'm never expecting to see my social security money. I'm 36 years old. I'm never going to see it. It's gone. Okay, this, the whole thing's a giant damned Ponzi scheme. So give me back my money right now. Now, there's certain ways in which you can make this bill better than the old bill. Like, for example, you can, in fact, try to peg people's unemployment to what they were earning so as not to encourage people to stay out of the workforce. One of the problems with the, with the old bill is that it basically just threw money at people so that they were earning more money by being unemployed and by being employed. You don't actually want that. You want to encourage people to be employed where they can be employed. But the extension of unemployment insurance to people in a time when the government is literally forcing them not to go to work makes a lot of sense. If Republicans find a way to blow that, it's a mistake. There are a lot of times when you, when you say, listen, we can't, we can't spend this way. This is not one of those times. 
It isn't. Because again, what we are talking about is the government has created the problem. The government has created the problem. At a certain point here, the government won't have created the problem. Most states will have basically said to people, go act as responsibly as you want to, and we can start to get back to normal. That is not where we are right now. So while I admire Senator Ted Cruz, listen, I'm very, I'm very friendly with Senator Cruz. When Cruz says things like, I'm not only a no, I'm a hell no, on the idea of really extending more aid here, at least the way we're doing it, there is a certain level of urgency that outweighs the political concerns on spending at this very moment in time. We still don't know the details of this initial proposal, but as it's written right now, I'm not only a no, I'm a hell no. And, and sadly, I think this is envisioned as an opening gambit. We, everyone expects the Democrats to come back with a huge wish list of spending. And, and this is the swamp and a feeding frenzy. Everybody's lobbyist has their hand out saying, well, look, if you're spending trillions of dollars, I want to get some. And, and it's not right. Okay, he's right that it's not right. It's also the only way that something is going to get done right now. I mean, let's just be real about this. If it's a choice between filling in the hole in the front wall and doing it wrong, right, putting too much spackle on that wall and not ha- and just leaving the hole in the wall, Republicans don't have a major choice here. Now, meanwhile, on the COVID front, President Trump, again, reiterated yesterday, he's been doing these, these COVID updates. He reiterated yesterday that we should reopen the schools. The evidence is very good that we should reopen the schools. That doesn't mean that we can't take precautions, particularly on behalf of teachers. But what the studies tend to show at this point is that kids are not getting this at as high a rate as adults, that when kids do get it, they are not endangered, that kids are not transmitting this as easily to adults, that mostly the way coronavirus is being passed is by adults to other adults in air-conditioned closed areas for long periods of time. And that is mainly how this thing is being passed. There's a reason schools are open across Europe. The evidence that that kids are the chief vectors or even a major vector in passing this thing, the evidence is really not there. Here was Trump yesterday pointing out that kids don't catch COVID as easily, which happens to be factually true. The media, of course, very upset that he would mention this. They don't transmit very easily, and a lot of people are saying they don't transmit, and we're looking at that. We're studying John very hard, that particular subject, uh, that they don't bring it home with them. Now, uh, they don't catch it easily. They don't bring it home easily, and if they do catch it, they get better fast. We're looking at that fact. That is a factor, and we're looking at that very strongly. He is exactly right here. He was ripped up and down for this. He is exactly right. Even Politico had to acknowledge he was exactly right. Quote, kids still appear to be less likely to catch and transmit the, the virus. The leading explanation is that kids make fewer receptors, a protein called ACE2, making it more difficult for the virus to latch on, said Mark Schleiss, a pediatric infectious disease expert at the University of Minnesota Medical School. As children move into adolescence and become adults, they make more of these receptors, theoretically increasing their chance of contracting the virus. There are 317,711 reported COVID-19 cases in children and teenagers across the United States. There have been 77 reported deaths. 77 across a country of 330 million people. This this is not a major risk to kids. It is not a major risk to kids. Not only is it not a major risk to kids, there's some fairly good science suggesting it's not a major risk to adults who come into contact with kids. Mark Woolhouse, a Senate, uh, a leading epidemiologist and member of the government's SAGE committee over in Great Britain, told the London Times, it may have been a mistake to close schools in March given the limited role children play in spreading the virus. He said that children in the five to 15 age brackets are not passing this thing to teachers. He said there has been no recorded case of a teacher catching the coronavirus from a pupil anywhere in the world, anywhere. Is it as of July 21st? So what about Israel, right? That was the big counter example. Well, it is unclear that the students passed it to the the teachers. It's quite possible the teachers passed it to each other and then they passed it on to everybody else. Kids are passing it to each other, but that does not mean that kids are a chief vector of transmission. There's a study from Iceland suggesting that kids are not passing it 
to adults. According to the UK Spectator, a company called Decoded Genetics did a study in Iceland. The test, they, they tested something like 36,500 people. The test identified 1,801 cases of people suffering from the disease and 10 deaths. Each case was carefully tracked. In not a single case could the researchers find evidence of a child passing on the disease to their parents. He suggested the fact that few children suffer any symptoms and are less likely to cough is an important factor. We have studies from Australia that suggest exactly the same thing, that schools are not the chief vectors of transmission. And there's an Australian study of how coronavirus spread in 15 schools. They found a transmission rate of far less than 1%. Naturally, the media have then suggested that if you want to reopen the schools, it's because you want to murder all of the teachers, which is just pure full-scale insanity. But again, the media have been gaslighting you all along on so many of these issues. That doesn't mean everything the media say is not true because a lot of what the media say is true. COVID-19 is more dangerous than the flu. It is something you should be worried about. Is it something you should be panicked about? Are we at the same point that we were back in March? Are tens of thousands of Americans about to die daily? Are we even going to get back to New York rates of death on a daily level? No. Cases have already begun to wane in Texas, Florida, and Arizona. The number one state for new cases is California, which never stopped the lockdown effectively. So examine the evidence before you buy into the media narrative. All right, we'll be out here a little bit later today with two additional hours of content. In the meantime, go pick up a copy of my new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. Also, if you want something entertaining to do this afternoon, aside from listening to the rest of the show, go give a listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. I did his podcast with him yesterday. I think that it was fun. I think it was entertaining. Be warned, it is rated at the very least PG-13. There is some language. So language and nudity, not actual physical nudity just discussions of such. You can go check that out over at Joe Rogan's podcast. I think that you will enjoy it. In the meantime, pick up my best-selling book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz, Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey, everyone. It's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Donald Trump has had a great week. He's back on his game, and he's got a powerful ally, namely the truth. Trump is fighting the left's violent, racist narrative with a steady barrage of reality. It's a new look, and it's doing great. We'll talk about it on The Andrew Claven Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.